everyone. It's Leslie Ludi, host of the Side Apart Girl podcast, Biblical Encouragement for Women of All Ages. Today we're going to look at what makes a friendship truly healthy. And specifically, I'd like to talk about women having friendships with other women. We've talked a lot in this podcast about romantic relationships and how to be Christ-honoring in the romantic side of our life, but what about friendships with our female friends? How do we keep those Christ-honoring and really healthy? I have noticed a lot of trends in the body of Christ over the past 5, 10, 15 years, which I think have led to a lot of unhealthy friendships between women in the church. And one of these trends I've seen is women going to their girlfriends to process their emotions, to vent their frustrations, to feel like if they're going through anything difficult, the first thing they need to do is find a girlfriend to spill their guts to. And we've talked in the past about how a lot of women do this on social media, but it happens in one-on-one relationships too. Now, you can go to a trusted female friend for godly biblical perspective and prayer, and this can be a very healthy thing. It can really point you back to Christ and remind you of the truth and really encourage you. But if you're not guarded and if you're not doing this in a God-honoring way, it can also become something that's really unhealthy and pull you away from your relationship with Christ. One of the things that I have noticed when I have had women approach me and they've wanted to share thoughts or emotions or frustrations or they wanted my advice on something is to look for certain warning signs that it might be unhealthy or it might be manipulative. And one of the warning signs that I've seen frequently is this idea of everything has to be talked about right now. It's that urgency mentality. And maybe you've had a friend like this or you've been that kind of a friend where when you're feeling intense emotions about something, you've you know had a fight with someone or um, things are rough at home or whatever it is, your emotions are so intense that suddenly it becomes a crisis in your life and it's totally urgent and you're making your crisis somebody else's crisis and you're calling them and texting them saying, I have to talk to you right now or somebody's doing that to you. And I had a friend in my life who did this where she would always call or text or have a crisis you know in the middle of the night or super early in the morning or when I was trying to spend time with my family or when I was trying to have a quiet time or when I was out with my kids I would get this call or this text and it was this urgent situation she just had to talk to me right now I was the only person she could talk to and this went on for quite a few months until I finally recognized this is actually not healthy uh, it, it's showing that she is having more of a dependency on needing to share these things with me than really learning how to turn to God and make him the one that she runs to when she's in a, a difficult situation. And I had to learn how to put boundaries around that friendship and say, you know, there's very few situations where it truly is urgent, where I should be getting out of bed in the middle of the night, or I should be leaving my family to go help her through her problem. Maybe if it's a life or death situation. But for the most part, urgency is really just a sign that somebody is allowing their emotions to take control and rule them. And they're not willing to get alone with God and say, Lord, you have everything I need. When we're talking about coming to a friend for advice or for encouragement, that should only be 
um, an enhancement to our relationship with Jesus Christ. It should never be a replacement for it. And I think so often in these counseling slash friendships, we treat our girlfriends or they treat us as a replacement for Jesus Christ. The Bible says that we are to pour out our heart to him and that he is to be our refuge, that he is our all in all, that he gives us everything that we need for life and godliness. And so often we bypass that and say, well, unless I'm getting advice from my girlfriend right when a crisis happens, I won't be able to make it through. But think about all of the persecuted Christians throughout the ages who have not had anyone that they could talk to when they're going through the biggest crisis of their life. They only had God. And he was enough not only to sustain them and comfort them, but to help them be victorious and truly thrive through the midst of the most incredible trials. And so whether you're the type of person who people come to for advice and they always have these urgent needs, or you're doing that to other people, I would encourage you to put God in his rightful place. He needs to be our first turn. And when there is urgency involved, so often we're giving way to emotion and we're not leaving room for God to do his work. So if you're in that situation where you're feeling that urgency that you need to talk to someone, I encourage you to go get on your knees before God and get alone with your Bible and allow God to be the one that you cast your cares upon. And he may lay it on your heart to talk with someone, but it shouldn't be in a a life or death urgent, this crisis is going to control my life situation. It should be in a really purposeful, intentional way where they can just encourage you and even point you into a deeper relationship with Jesus Christ. And if you have people who are tracking you down with that urgency, I would encourage you to put some boundaries around those relationships and say, here's when I'm available and here's how I'm going to be available to you. Don't let another person's urgency control your life and start to jeopardize things that God has put as a priority in your life, like your family and your relationship with him. I knew a couple who was in um, a youth ministry and they actually, their whole marriage fell apart because they never put any boundaries around ministry. They allowed the kids in their youth group to just come over to their house whenever they wanted to and call them any hour of the day or night. And anytime one of the teens in their youth group was going through a struggle, they just dropped everything and went and dealt with that struggle. But they had no time left over for their family. Their health was breaking down. They didn't have any time for a prayer life or to cultivate their relationship with Christ and their whole marriage crumbled because of it. So it might sound more spiritual to be the person who's just available 24 hours a day, but actually it's not more spiritual when you're letting other key things that God has entrusted to you fall by the wayside. Charles Spurgeon, there's a great story about people who had come to him after he had preached a really powerful sermon. And they would say to him, you know, I just need, my soul is burdened. I just need to make things right with God. And maybe it would be 10 or 11 o'clock at night at the end of a service. And he would say, okay, well, meet me in my office at 7 a.m. tomorrow. And a lot of people were surprised by this because they thought, well, don't you want to strike while the iron is hot? Like, you know, these people are ready to pray with you and talk with you right now. And his response was, well, if the Spirit of God is really working in their heart, the same Spirit of God is capable of working in their heart at 7 a.m. tomorrow. Everything can be done decently and in order. We don't have to uh, rush around and give into that sense of urgency. God will still do his work if it's truly a work of God if we schedule it for the next day. And that's how he led people to Christ, and that's how he counseled people, and his ministry was very healthy because of that. 
Now, I'm not saying that you should never um, change your plans and be open to God redirecting you. Uh, If somebody comes up to you and they need to talk and they're ready to hear the gospel, maybe you need to lay down your own agenda for that day to be available. But be wary of friendships that control and manipulate you through urgency or be wary of doing that to other people. The other warning sign that I'd like to address that I've noticed when women are coming to me for counseling and advice is gossip. It's so easy under the banner of sharing and processing to let that slip into the realm of gossip, where pretty soon you're not just sharing and processing, you're actually speaking ill of other people. And I've had to learn when women come to me and they want to share something difficult that they've walked through, I ask them up front not to use names and not to give specific details about the situation because I don't need to know who the person was and I don't need to know all the details of what happened. They can just tell me the the gist of the situation and I can point them to scripture and pray for them because if they tell me specific names and places and details, it's very easy for me as the as, as the hearer to take up a second party offense and to be distracted with those details and really to be engaging in gossip, listening to gossip uh, under the banner of, of being a listening ear. So there's really never a reason or an excuse to engage in gossip. And if there is emotional processing or advice that's that's happening, but it's blended with gossip, then we know that it's unhealthy and it's not God-honoring. So take a look at your female friendships. Are you listening to gossip under the banner of being a good listener? Or are you speaking gossip under the banner of just needing to process your emotions? Because God is very clear in scripture that gossip is sin and is not honoring to him. So look at ways that you can shift those patterns in your life. And there may be some habits and and ways of speaking with your friends that have to completely change in order to truly honor God. You can really communicate everything that you need to communicate without even adventuring near the realm of gossip. Really, in everyone's life, the issue is always the same. It's always sin. We're always dealing with the same thing. And the solution is always the same, Jesus Christ. So we don't really have to know all about this special situation and who did what and who said what to be able to point them to Jesus Christ. I think the biggest reminder in female friendships, especially ones that are counseling oriented or emotionally processing oriented, is that our goal is to always fasten that other person's soul to Jesus Christ. That's what Amy Carmichael said in her book, If, not to fasten a soul to ourselves, but to fasten them and point them to Jesus Christ. So we should never try to be that person that that they become emotionally dependent on, the one that they always have to talk to. They can't, you know, go a day or two without processing things with us or anything dramatic that happens, they have to run and share it with us. I mean, that's a nice ego boost, I think, for some of us to feel like we're that person that everybody comes to with their problems or their issues. But actually, it's not the healthiest pattern to be in. We need to teach them how to be dependent on Christ and not on us. We are just meant to be an encourager and a cheerleader along the way that helps remind them that Jesus Christ truly is their all in all and he has everything that they need. Oswald Chambers has a great story from his biography about when he was a traveling evangelist and and a woman came up to him at the end of a service. He was there with his young niece. She was maybe 10 or 11 years old at the time. And this woman said to Oswald Chambers, Mr. Chambers, I just need to tell you all about myself. And 
the the little girl, the niece, sat down on a bench and thought, oh, this is going to take hours. This woman is going to tell my uncle all about herself. And yet he came back a few minutes later and he said he was ready to leave. And she said, well, I thought the woman was going to tell you all about herself. And he said, well, I asked her if she'd ever told God all about herself. And she said, no. So I told her to go home and tell God all about herself. And then if she needed to talk to me about something specific, I'd be available next week. And I thought that was so brilliant because so often we feel, oh, I've got to sit down and listen to this person's story for five hours. But have they really taken their cares to Jesus Christ? Have they really poured out their heart to him? And so often they haven't. We don't want to be a replacement, again, like I said earlier, for the position Jesus Christ wants to have in their lives. So don't become a person's first turn. Make sure you are encouraging them to make Jesus Christ their first turn. And another key warning sign that a female friendship might be unhealthy is control and manipulation. You probably know what I mean by this, whether you've been the recipient of someone who's controlling or you've fallen into that trap of trying to manipulate other people. This is just something we're prone to as women and we have to be very on guard against. I knew two young women once who had a friendship. They were both Christians. Their friendship started out seemingly healthy and God-honoring, but they didn't have that guard up. And one of the girls was very domineering and very controlling. She had a very strong personality. And I noticed that pretty soon this girl was just dominating the other girl's time. They were spending every waking moment together. They were on the phone constantly. They they were basically never apart. And they told each other everything. And it got to the point where other relationships in the second girl's life were really being influenced and affected and really challenged because of the position she was giving this female friend in her life. She was in a relationship with a guy. They were headed towards marriage, and he became so frustrated with this friendship because it was just totally controlling her time, and um, she would just build everything around this other girl and always process everything with this other girl and really just it started to affect her relationship with Christ, her relationship with her family, her relationship with her soon-to-be fiancé. And one thing I also noticed about their friendship is they were very physically affectionate. We'll talk more about that in a minute, but it was one of the ways that uh, the first girl was kind of controlling the second girl. She always had to be touching her, giving her a back rub, stroking her hair, and it just was started to get very strange. But all of it was based in control and manipulation. And I've been in situations where women have tried to be controlling and manipulating towards me, usually they use guilt trip. (laughs) That's like the, for some reason, that's like the method that has been used on me. Like, oh, this person, you know, their feelings were so hurt when you didn't do this or when you did do that. And, or I've been so hurt by this or that or the other thing. Or if I, if I can't get this from you, I just don't know how I'm going to um, make it through or just things that are very guilt oriented. And so I've had to learn to recognize those things and still show the love of Christ, but not allow that control and manipulation to take over my life. I want to offer you just a few key points of how you can keep female friendships healthy, how you can avoid being controlled and manipulated or being controlling and manipulating towards your female friends, and also how you can avoid some of the things we talked about a few minutes ago, gossip and unhealthy counseling types of situations. The first key is to avoid emotional dependence. We touched on this a few minutes ago, but when you find a female friend that you really connect with, it's so tempting to just tell her every detail about your life and rush to her whenever something hard or exciting happens. 
and process every thought, feeling, dream, or emotion. And even though it really can be a blessing to have close Christ-like girlfriends that you can open up to, if you open up and share too much too often, it's going to lead to a, a pattern of unhealthy emotional dependence. So as a reminder, God's word says that he is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Isn't that amazing? Do we actually allow him to be that in our lives? Or do we feel like, well, we have to have all these other friends or our emotional needs can't be met? So many of us are so much more prone to pour out our heart to a friend rather than to Jesus Christ. If you feel like you can't go through difficult things without immediately processing every detail of it with a girlfriend, then it's very likely that there could be an unhealthy emotional dependence in that friendship. So I encourage you to ask God to help you establish new patterns in that friendship and practice, first and foremost, pouring out your heart to him. And like I said earlier, putting boundaries on how much and how often you share with your friend. In our modern culture, we've talked about this before on other podcasts, there's such a trend of being real and open with members of the body of Christ. It's considered really one of the highest forms of spiritual health. And of course, there are dimensions of, of honesty and humility that need to be there in our relationships. When we talk about bearing one another's burdens in scripture, if you really look at that It has a lot more to do with practically helping those in need and sharing their needs in a sacrificial way rather than just sitting around listening to people air their emotional baggage. So again, it's not always wrong to share things with girlfriends, but make sure that your times of sharing and listening are an outflow of your intimate relationship with Christ, not a replacement for it. The second is to be guarded with physical affection. A lot of Christian women feel very free to show a ton of physical affection towards their female friends, hugs and cuddles and long back scratches and playing with each other's hair and holding each other's hands while they're walking around. And this kind of touch is acceptable in our culture. And many girls, I think, justify it because, well, there's nothing romantic going on here. But that doesn't mean that they're not being inappropriate or that there isn't something subtly sensual going on. If you think about it, purity in guy-girl relationships is a lot more than just not crossing a line. And the same principle applies to physical purity in female friendships. You have to study the pattern of scripture to realize that all forms of sensual touch are expressions of physical intimacy that God designed to be between a man and a woman in a covenant marriage relationship. And as it says in Romans 1:26, sensual touch between women is unnatural and dishonoring to God's pattern. So it's appropriate to give a friendly hug to another girl or to put your arm around her if she's crying to comfort her, but don't let the physical touch go too far. Even if there's nothing sensual in your motivation for doing it, it can cause other people to stumble and it can awaken things that are really inappropriate. Romans 14, 13 says, we are to be resolved not to put a stumbling block in another person's way. And I think one of the best ways we can do this is to be guarded with our physical interaction, not only with men, but also with other women. 
And the third practical is to put boundaries around the time that you spend with friends. It's always fun to have someone to do life with, to work out with, to go shopping with, to go to the coffee shop with, to text. When you always have someone by your side, a friend that you are with, it can make you feel confident and secure. And doing things alone can make you feel lonely and self-conscious. I remember this when I was in high school. If I didn't have a friend with me, I felt really insecure. Like I needed someone with me. I just didn't feel like I could stand on my own two feet and, and go through life by myself. So I always would surround myself with friends. But as a result, I was never alone. I was never alone in public. And I was also never alone when I was alone because I always had a phone or another way of, of connecting with someone in the outside world. The only time I was really ever alone was when I was sleeping. And spending all of our waking hours with friends is actually not healthy. God desires to give us a confidence and a contentment that flows from our relationship with him. And Psalm 1611, one of my favorite verses, says that in his presence is the fullness of joy. If we're never in his presence alone with him because we're always in the presence of other people and with our friends, we're not going to have time to cultivate that intimate relationship with him or experience that fullness of joy that this verse is talking about. We're going to be ending up looking to our friend's company and presence for security and peace rather than in finding it at the feet of Jesus Christ. So prayerfully consider how much time you're spending with your girlfriends. If you find that the majority of your, your time is spent with your friends and very little is spent in the presence of God, then prayerfully consider rebuilding your habits in this area. Let God show you each step that he desires you to take, things that are unhealthy that need to be made new and maybe some things that you even need to start cutting out of your life to really honor him in this area. Practice going places on your own. And not feeling insecure when you don't have someone right next to you or ignoring your phone for an evening, shutting off your computer and really just focusing on Jesus Christ as that old hymn says, what a friend we have in Jesus. Learn how to be on your own with Jesus and allow him to show you practically and experientially that in his presence is the fullness of joy. And when you spend time with friends, make sure that it's not something you're leaning upon for happiness, because really true happiness is only found in our relationship with the best friend that we will ever have, the one that sticks closer than a brother or a sister. So some final thoughts that I want to share with you. Who better to teach us how to build strong, healthy, God-honoring friendships than the author of friendship himself? When we look to his word and his pattern, instead of the patterns that we see around us in the culture, we will discover friendships as they were intended to be, a reflection of the beautiful, edifying fellowship that we have with our King. I hope you've enjoyed today's episode. If you would like to learn more about how to be discerning in your friendships and your everyday relationships and discerning in the messages that you're hearing in the body of Christ today, I invite you to join us for our Godly Discernment online course that is happening right now. And you can learn more about it at setapartgirl.com or braveheartedchristian.com. It's four video lessons and a, a notebook really to give you the foundation of how to cultivate true discernment in every area of your life. I pray you have a blessed and Christ-centered week.